SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. the early line our number two big shout out of course we'll give our props to the mightier 1090 but they got that california love going on right now got to talk about this next game um the tightening of the nfc east uh the philadelphia eagles and the new york giants they renewed their hostilities at metlife and listen going into this game I thought the big turnover was going to be the issue, right? With Daniel Jones and Carson Wentz, both like top two in the league and turning the ball over. There were no turnovers in this game, Kev. Instead, I don't know. Daniel Jones kind of just was more efficient than Carson Wentz. You know, it says here Wentz with a quiet 208 in the loss. Daniel Jones running the ball, uh, Wayne Gallman running the ball, add it all up, and the Giants get a 27-17 win. The Giants get their third win, which is just as many as any other team in the NFC East, including the first-place Eagles. You talk about that tie all the time. It may come down to that, but you can't be encouraged by what you saw out of Philly yesterday, Kev. No, 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 no. Um, here's the thing. I have some very serious questions about the coaching staff right now. Daniel Jones did a read option keeper against the Eagles on Thursday night football that went for 90 some odd yards. Like 80 yards and and he got caught by the sniper. Yeah. And then evidently they just didn't watch film because he did the same thing and then went for a 34 yard touchdown. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. And by the way, you mentioned it. Wentz didn't turn the football over. You know, it was a relatively clean game. Not very efficient. There's also something going on with Doug Peterson and his lack of ability to figure out when to go to the run game here. Boston Scott had that big 56-yard rush. Miles Sanders was a pretty efficient 15 of 85 on the ground. I just, the rhythm is not there, and this is off of a bye week. That's what's so concerning. Right. It was off of a bye week. And let me just run through this because, again, um, you know, you you keep it unbiased. Here's how Philly, their final two games are at Dallas and home versus Washington. Here's what we do in between that, Dane. At Cleveland, home versus Seattle. At Green Bay, home versus the Saints. At the Cardinals. They're dogs from here until week 16. Period. They're going to be dogs from here until week 16. Now, Yes, they can win this stupid division with only five wins. They really can. It's that terrible. But are they going to be able to take advantage of any schedule spots? A primetime Monday night football game at home? Maybe. The Saints' third consecutive road game? Maybe. Look, I don't know. They could beat Cleveland next week. But if they win that game, Dane... They have four games up on the Giants in the loss column, three on Washington and Dallas. At the end of the day, they could have lost out as long as they handled Week 16 and 17, and it probably would have been enough at 6-9-1. and one. Now, this thing can start to crumble. 
I hate this season. It's been a disaster year. I wanted to give up on this after two weeks. The NFC East is too stupid to let me. I still think they win the division because the rest of them are also terrible, but it's it's horrible vibes, I'll tell you that. Yeah, no, I hear you, Kev. And 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 here's the thing for me, and this is why sometimes you you do this a lot. You say, like, they'll be favored in all but one of the games, or they'll be dogs in all but one of the games, right? As we went to uh, welcome our radio audience in from around the country, big shout-out to the Mightier 1090. Thanks for waking up very early with us, Dane and Kev, here on the early line. I hesitate to put as much stock in that as you, because every week we see, right, favorites lose, uh, dogs win. Right. The idea that, like, we can just pencil that in i i don't buy as much as you but that's not the issue that's not the issue don't worry about that what i want to ask you then we've talked about this you still say you think the eagles will win this division yeah in your opinion what's the value play in this nfc east right now the eagles are minus 165 favorites because they are still in first place, even with three wins. That tie helps them. I believe they're like a game and a half up technically, right, on some of these other teams, yeah. right? The Giants are three to one. Dallas is seven to one. And like Andy Dalton's coming back. Like, I, I don't know, right? And then yeah. Washington is plus 750. And, you know, Alex Smith is throwing for 340 yards. I think he's Fugazi. But literally, you know, I. A team just needs to get to like six wins, maybe. So I get, mm-hmm. and I do believe that on paper, still the Eagles are the best team. Are they the value yeah. in this division, Kev? What, like, what, you know, try to put all I, that objective. I know you're a mm-hmm. fan and all that, but like, where's the value yeah. in this division, Kev? No, listen, we've done a really nice job this year, objectively looking at the value in this division. It's just for a while the correct answer was the Eagles, but even at times when Is people it thought still? it was the Giants, and then it was obviously Washington. I think in an ideal world, FanDuel gives us a Eagles win the division yes-no bet, and you just take plus money. You can't lay 165 with the Eagles right now. You just can't do that. And I just will say, and I know in terms of looking through team schedules and being like, okay, so they lose every game that they're dogs, I know that that's not how it's going to play out, but that context is very valuable. Because if I have seven games left, and I'm underdogs in six of them, and you have seven games left, and your favorites in five, I understand things can go left, but it'd be dramatic, right, if that didn't find some level to where you end up on the better side of that stretch. The problem is all of these teams are going to still be dogs in almost all of their games because there's a real world where these are the four worst teams in the conference. In the NFC, Again, it's, right? it's incredible to watch. I can't lay minus money, but I don't like any of these numbers in the NFC East right now. There might not be. I hear you. I would have thought maybe Washington, if they, like, actually came all the way back in that game. But they couldn't get the job done either. We go back to AFC teams that can get the job done when we come back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and my man Kevin Walsh burning the candle at all ends, trying to figure this stuff out. 
out. And Kev, we've alluded to it, the idea that the AFC is muddled in the wild card race, right? We've got Tennessee that fell and took a step back on Thursday night. The Baltimore Ravens couldn't get the job done. They stay at six wins. We saw the Colts get to six in Thursday night football as well. And then to me, there are like three teams in the AFC that are taking a step forward this year. And people are either not realizing it, not trusting it, thinking the other shoe will drop, you know, coming up with reasons why they won't get all the way. And those three teams to me are the Vegas Raiders, the Cleveland Browns, and the Miami Dolphins. And so let's talk about them. The Cleveland Browns at home have the Texans come on in and nothing happens, right? They win 10-7. Nick Chubb back in the run game. And what do you know? Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt go over 100 yards. They're back to this one to punch the value of the run game is clear but can you do me a favor kev brian our producers everybody please remind me the next time there is wind in cleveland remind me to take the under because i remember they played the vegas raiders and it was like 16 to 8 or something like that right 10 7 in this one the wind matters. I know rain doesn't always matter and stuff. The wind matters in this one. And Cleveland, though, had the run game to rely on. They get the job done, Kev. Yeah, I'm furious that I didn't bet this on there, man. I, it's one of those things you're like, look, this is why. Uh, and I'll just make, like, you watched what happened in the Vegas game. It was 16-6. Yeah. It never got close. And you go, oh, can that happen again? Apparently, I mean, the number was 45. They could have set the over-under at 17.5. It went under crazy. If Nick Chubb rushed that touchdown and that did not have the spread. Gosh, the Browns have – let me just tell you about some of the Browns' ATS losses, okay? A missed field goal from Cody Parkey that has them as three-and-a-half-point dogs would have put them up four. Joe Burrow, garbage time, last-second touchdown. This right here with Nick Chubb going out at the one – I mean, the the money that they have cost people this year against the number in some of their wins is just absolutely infuriating. I will say this, and this might be, you'll tell me if I'm being unfair. I don't give the Browns a lot of credit for this. Basically, you couldn't ask for a better opponent in a, in a win game. All we were allowed to do is run the football. A team without their starting back with the worst run defense maybe. In the run, worst run defense. It was just complete, it's like, it was. It's almost like competitive balance was lacking. They should have moved the game to a dome. The Texans had no chance. They had no chance in this football game because of the way the the wind was. And maybe that's unfair, but that's how I see. So it. that's the thing. I, I I hear you, and there are valid, logical people I respect who might have that opinion. Right? I fear though, Kev, that's falling into the exact trap we fall into, and that's why I'm talking about all of these three teams, right? Browns, Raiders, and yeah. Dolphins, because when they win, it's still like we're still looking for the warts. We're still not giving them credit, and I believe no. the value of this run game is tremendously important, especially with Nick Chubb coming back. Another team, Kev, that fits that description, 2AT, the Las Vegas Raiders. They win at home against Denver 37-12, to and check this out. How about this for the value of a run game, Kev? Josh Jacobs, Josh Jangle, Jingleheimer Schmidt, he goes for 21 carries, 112 yards, two touchdowns, and then Booker also 81 yards and two touchdowns. You know, we don't talk about the running backs and the run game, but it allows for so much else to be opened up, and a lot of stuff you don't see in the box score. The Raiders, 
get their sixth win of the season. Do you value them? Do you buy them? Yeah, no, see, I mean, that's the thing. It's I just think it's all context. I give Vegas a lot of credit for this one. Denver's been pesky. You know, they've been able to yep. come back. That, that you know, those fourth quarter, oh, let's keep it tight, uh, really changes things. And I'll just say this for those that were following this game. The swing play, 10-6 going into the half. Drew Locke runs a touchdown in. They're going to go up 13-10. Mm. Called back from the five-yard line for holding. Throws a pick on the next play. Vegas goes into the break with the lead. Ultimately, they never look back. They win this game 37-12. to Drew Locke with four picks was a mess. Also, a really good win for Vegas against a Denver team that's been pesky. Yeah, I was, to be quite honest, I had uh, I had Denver in the points in this one. Part of it is that not trusting the Raiders, right? Think that they can't just put a team away, thinking that a pesky division rival will stay within the number. Yet another reason. We have to start giving these teams their due, whether it be Vegas, whether it be the Cleveland Browns, or whether it be this other six-win team in the AFC, the Miami Dolphins, get another yeah. win. Kev, I mean, Tua now moves to 3-0. and You and I thought, again, not giving them full credit, right? Thinking that the law of averages with Herbert and the Chargers were clearly going to start kind of going in their favor. I got to tell you something. Miami Dolphins had control of this game, running and defense again. If you have Ahmed uh, as a waiver wire pickup, go ahead. This is now two weeks in a row for him, 85 yards and a touchdown. Touchdown and Kev, just like I talked about with the Los Angeles Rams, giving up like 19 points a game and improving it with their effort in week 10, the same can be said about the Miami Dolphins. They were giving up only 19 points a game, something like fourth in the league, and that yeah. goes down because of them giving up less points to the Chargers. Like, are the Dolphins for real? You know, I mean, we're not talking about the Browns and the Raiders. I'm not trying to go back to the New England thing, but... This Dolphins team is two games up, and we're talking about the Patriots in a different light. But this Miami team, do you buy what they're doing? Two is 3-0. and So the Browns, I take a lot off of the, the credit I give them for the result, but I've liked some things yeah. the Browns have done this year. Vegas, okay. I love that win, and I've been talking about them on this show, just even through the prism of the schedule. That team's going to be in this race, if not in the playoffs. Miami is the team I've been low on. They are 3-0 and in a stretch that I would have told you very consistently yeah, that one win was the ceiling in a, in a right. stretch of three games. Dane, they blocked the punt. The ball's on the one. They score. This is what I said last week. But they've done they, this now three weeks yeah, in a row. I know. I know. It's not supposed to happen. You're not supposed to just keep blocking punts and returning them for touchdowns. It's not a thing, and they just keep doing it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. A 15 of 25, 169 yards. I mean, he is winning games with numbers that are wildly unimpressive. It's But they're, the vibe around this team, I like Flores as a coach. I don't know what to do with them. And that's as far as I can go. And I know we don't want to schedule watch, but here's the schedule. Okay, at Denver, at the Jets, home versus the Bengals. They will be favored in all of the games. I don't know what's going to happen. They're going to be favored in all of the games. They finish home versus the Chiefs, home versus the Patriots, 
at the Raiders, at the Bills. Dogs in all of them. The Pats game, maybe a one point. I mean, they were only a one point favorite against the Chargers this week. So I, yeah. I can't tell you definitively they are favored against the New England Patriots. I don't know what to do with this team. And it's one of the best compliments I can give you. I come on this show, I feel pretty good. Like, there's a lot of teams that we have question marks about, but I will give you conviction in a lot of different ways. I don't know. I don't know. If they're just going to keep blocking punts, they're going to win every game. They're going to go 13-3 and three and win the right. Super Bowl. I don't know. It's like if, if Russell out. Wilson's going to have more incompletions than – I mean, more touchdowns than incompletions, they're going to win every game. If Cam Newton runs for two touchdowns every game, they're going to win every game. You know, I, We don't know. And that's why I group these teams together, right, Kev, the Raiders, the Browns, and the Dolphins, because it feels yeah. like there's warts on all of them. And that, to your point – and let me clarify. I think we can schedule watch. Okay, where I get hesitant yeah. is like making assumptions off of that. You said right. it yourself the Dolphins are just off a three-game stretch. Where rewind the tape three weeks ago, you would have been like, yeah. you know, ah, if they, you know, and and look at what they've done. That's why we five, say five they got to go through the games. I hear you, and Kev, right. if we believe in the Titans and the Ravens, right? That's two of the three wild card spots in the AFC. Pick one, Kev. Cleveland, Vegas, Miami. Who you like? What if I don't like Baltimore and Tennessee anymore either? Then that's something we need to discuss here on the early line, and we'll do that. But when we come back, one team I know will make the AFC playoffs. Why? Because they haven't lost yet this season. We talk Pittsburgh Steelers when we come back here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Big shout-out to all of our affiliates. Thank you for allowing your viewers and listeners to get the edge on the grid with Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh here, putting the fun in functional sports content and looking back at a Week 10 that I think makes things get a lot more jumbled up in certain divisions, in wild-card races. And tomorrow, Kev, after Week 10 is fully in the books, and we know what the Bears do tonight, we'll reset the playoff picture in both conferences and, of course, the draft order there was a time yesterday kev where i thought the jets were really looking good okay in the draft order when i thought the green bay uh, the jacksonville jaguars might win washington <laughs> might win the giants might win right i was like yeah. oh the jets are getting the, getting their buffer but that didn't ultimately happen and we'll talk about one of those teams that kind of uh pissed away a lead in a second but first one thing i do know about the afc playoff picture the pittsburgh steelers will be involved they remain undefeated are nine and zero for the first time in this storied franchise history they get the job done against the division rival who to be quite honest i thought was going to keep it closer than that 36 to 10 and and kev big ben absolutely popping off i have it here 333 yards and four touchdowns i made a claim a few weeks back that we didn't get fully into that you kind of raised your eyebrow at and i called the pittsburgh steelers a fantasy herd almost at the level of the kansas city chiefs and that get caused uh, i thought a raised eyebrow from you but i think what we saw yesterday was an example of that deontay johnson 
six catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown. Juju, the most, you know, receptions on the team with nine. He gets into the end zone. Don't forget about Claypool, who is the revelation. He gets into the end zone twice. They have a tight end who is a threat and can score in the red zone. And Eric Ebron, he has a down day. Fine. But then there's also the run game. James Conner has been a consistent force, but not today, right? That's the elements of the herd where it can come from almost anywhere. And it's coming like that from the Pittsburgh Steelers, 36 points and Big Ben as the trigger man to figure it all out, read the mail and, uh, you know, just respond to whatever the defense does. I believe this Pittsburgh offense, I know you haven't been as quick on them, but I think this Pittsburgh offense is an elite herd. Elite. Yeah, I mean, listen, yeah. there's a lot of production here. Uh, Big Ben throws four touchdowns, one to Deontay, one to Juju. They both were uh, the high men with yards. And then Claypool gets to two scores. Great production from them. Connor's really underwhelmed in his last two football games uh, in some right. pretty juicy matchups as well. The Bengals and right. the Cowboys run defenses, which is very surprising. It is what it is. The production but that's right the thing. now is I'm there. sorry to interrupt you. That's the thing for me. Like Next week, Connor can just go 1-13 and two touchdowns, and all of a sudden Deontay Johnson will get 50 yards, right? And yeah. that's okay for Pittsburgh. I guess it's just if you were to list the elite fantasy herds, right? Like the Chiefs have – a top three quarterback, the number one tight end, Tyreek's a wide receiver one. They don't right. have any of those things. But the, the herd is have... not necessarily that, right? The herd is the idea that they do it collectively and they pose so many questions for the defense that if you want to try to take one away, it doesn't matter to them because there's so many other options. I used to think that about the Philadelphia Eagles a few years back as well, Kev, you know, because it can come from anywhere. They don't all have to be top three at their position. The offense is comfortable having it go through so many different different options are we talking about fantasy football or the Steelers real I, I just because those are like the Steelers do have a lot of options but elite fantasy right. herd is entirely about fantasy football production no to me no and I, I coined the phrase trust me I know what it means <laughs> right so what it really means is actually the herd right because it is a herd it actually makes it frustrating for fantasy managers Kev but because yeah, is the is the phrase where you and then you then... get elite production. You know, Claypool has given you elite production on some weeks. Deontay Johnson gives you elite production on some weeks. Juju gives you elite production some weeks. Connor gives you elite production some weeks. But the right thing is to take the shepherd of the herd who triggers it all. I I coined the phrase. What it means, right, is actually that it's great for the real team and frustrating for the fantasy manager. That's what a fantasy herd is because on a week-to-week -week right. basis, you cannot rely on yeah, no. which part of the herd right. pops off. No, I totally understand the fantasy herd okay. phrase. I feel okay. like elite, though, pushes it into a, another tier. I'd be interested. Name another team besides I, Kansas City that can do this right now. Seattle? and With like how Metcalf many players? Is a, but well, they have Metcalf, Lockett, Russell Wilson, and when your favorite no. player in the league, Chris Carson, is healthy. Right. Russell Wilson doesn't count in the fantasy herd. That's why we should define this a little bit more. Seattle has yeah. two players. Seattle has two players that do that on a week-to-week -week basis. Pittsburgh has four or five. Kansas City right. has four or five. That's what I'm talking about. Right. 
Okay. Um, I don't want to get stuck on the on the fantasy no problem. thing. Ultimately, no problem. No problem. I love that the Bengals have been blown out only twice, and it's by the class of the North, as a legitimate, mm-hmm. like, hey, just so you know, Joe Burrow, this isn't going to be easy. Like, you're good. We're excited about it. We're the Steelers. We're the Ravens, and we run this, and that's how it's been for a long time. Baker's found that out this year as well. Like, it's right. it's genuinely, to me, like, a big brother cool, like, hey, just so you know, like, this is my block. And I appreciate the heck out of it. And the <laughs> Bengals will probably, I mean, actually, next week they're going to be favorites against Washington, and they'll probably bounce right back. But I just think that's really nice that the Bengals, two games where they really got pushed around, was against the big boys in the North. Yeah, absolutely. The tears are in effect, right? In that division. Talk to me, you know, well, one of the things we've sort of differed on this season also is how good is the Pittsburgh Steelers defense? They get another four sacks in this one. They allow uh, 10 points. What's your view on them? You know, because Cincy... Like you said, you know, they're not the class, but they have been scoring on defenses. Burrow keeps teams in, right? Uh, Backdoor covers for Cincinnati. That was not the case. Burrow gets sacked four times. They only put up 10 points. Mm -hmm. There was a little hitch in his giddy up at the end of the first half as well. Are um, Are you more of a believer in the Steelers' defense? Yeah, and again, I mean, the, the belief thing is is all relative, right? Like, a lot of people okay. believe they are, by far and away, the best defense that football offers. They gave up more points to this team than the Baltimore Ravens did, who I think is probably the best defense in football. So it, it, it's all relative. It's a good performance okay. again. Uh, they were clearly up for the game. And they, you know what's crazy is this game was 12-7 at one point. Like, I, yeah. for, for, for folks that didn't follow, the 4 o'clock window was so packed, I don't know how many people were following this one tightly. Right. Um, but this game was a five-point game, you know, relatively, you know, into the game. And then just like that, all of a sudden, it was kind of non-competitive. It was a good game from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and let's put it this way. At one point earlier in the show, Kev, you said, and ultimately the results, right? You got to get the results. They have gotten the results Every yeah. single week so far of the NFL season, right? And at 9-0, and when we start to even see some warts in other AFC teams, right? Pretty much every other team with the, maybe the exception of Kansas City, Pittsburgh there with that bagel on the right side of their record is still, you know, doing their thing. You talk about games that were close. You talk about games in the 1 o'clock window that people were looking at that maybe people forgot about because of this big uh, 4 o'clock window. Due to the Masters, right? We had two witching hours on Red Zone yesterday, which was interesting. But at one point, people with their survivor pool picks were sweating it because the Jacksonville Jaguars were up for most of the game on Green Bay. But Aaron Rodgers does, in fact, bring them back. He finishes with 325 yards through the air and two touchdowns. One, a big one to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Listen, uh, Kev, when we talk about the Packers and we talk about the upper echelon of the NFC, is this one where, like, hey, the outcome is the outcome? They got the win, and here they are? Or, like, are you any concerned because they couldn't put away the lowly Jaguars? No, I'm not really concerned. Um, I felt like they had their moment to flip this game and, and blow them out, and um you know, they just didn't they, – they were never really able to kind of turn the screws. The thing that surprised right. me about this game is, you know, it's tough. You don't want to read too much into all this wind stuff, but the reports were that this was supposed to have the same exact wind game. as Cleveland. Yeah. 
And they threw the football 34 times against an awful run defense. Like, there's a lot of people that thought Aaron Jones was going to have the game he had against the Lions here against Jacksonville. I don't even, I mean, like, they were using Jamal Williams more than I thought they would. I don't really know what's up with Aaron Jones. Like, he's going to still be good, but is he going to be great? Is he going to be, you know, a top five running back? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Ultimately, for the Packers, you win this game, you move on. It was a, mm-hmm. it was. This is a game, and I and I should have known this too because I'll own it on Friday. I said, nah, they probably do blow this team out and cover the 14 and win this game by you know 20 plus. But Green Bay has done this traditionally when they get. I feel like when they get in this spot where it's kind of yep. obvious, they're like, ah, yep. yeah, whatever. We'll see you on the other side. We'll get the result here. Talk to you later. You know, I had a sneaky feeling about this one, Kev. Um, but unfortunately, you know what I did in response? I teased them from 13 and a half down to six and a half, being like they'll win by at least a touchdown. <laughs> you yeah. know, and that one ultimately did not get through either. You know, I do want to make again Aaron Jones, 13 for 46, Jamal Williams, eight touches for 30 yards here. Remember, Kev, Aaron Jones also working his way back from injury remember he did miss a few games so i don't know right maybe there's a gradual comeback for him to get more and more of the thursday game and got way more work than i would have thought and then had a mini buy and got less work i think they like jamal williams more than we like jamal williams ah Maybe it's a uh, Jordan Wilkins situation. We got more to talk about, including Monday Night Football, when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line. Looking back at Week 10, and Kev, one of the things you said earlier in the show is Week 10 may have given us more questions than answers, I think is very, very valid and all the more reason why we can't make these assumptions, right? Think about the Miami Dolphins, you know, and a lot of other teams that have dramatically changed their fortunes over the last few weeks. And to be quite honest, I think there's two more teams that fit that description linking up tonight to close out week 10 on Monday night football, the Chicago bears and the Minnesota Vikings, another, uh, you know, home dog situation, another divisional home dog situation. If you talk to us about the Bears a few weeks ago, we were like, I don't know how they're doing it, but their record is what it is. So we got to, you know, give them some credit. It has started to unravel a little bit in Chicago. We'll see how it happens. If it continues to happen, you know how I want it to go down, Kev. And then in Minnesota, Minnesota has also been a team where I think people are, you know, Changing opinions on. We thought they were done. Then Dalvin Cook maybe brings them back in, but they keep losing. I don't know what to make of this team in Minnesota. I do know, though, Kev, that I want to fade the Chicago Bears. And if I didn't have enough reason, the fact that 
even though I don't think he's a good NFL player, their starting running back, David Montgomery, will not be there. The Bears are turning to, like, Ryan Nall and potentially the activation of Lamar Miller to get the job done against Minnesota. I just don't see them being dynamic enough to keep up with what I've seen out of Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen. I know the Bears' defense is good, but I think Minnesota can get it done even on the road and as a road favorite. What say you, Kev? So, oh, man, this game is something else. Uh, Dane, essentially an ATM on the season has been home divisional dogs. It's true. It's true. Okay. Um, We, though, always talk about trap lines, worry lines, right? Everyone's betting the Vikings. This isn't a trap. This isn't a line that stinks. Everybody's on Minnesota. It was two and a half. Once it oh, went to three, movement. there was no stopping it from getting a three and a half. There are more bets on the Vikings and the Bears. The Bears are not a public dog. No, 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 no. Everybody's on Minnesota. So the questions you have to ask yourself as you watch this game, or you look at this game before you bet it, one, do you believe in home field advantage? And I still do. We've seen home dogs, right, Dane, this year? They've been excellent. They've been excellent home dogs. Home dogs okay. have been at 59%. That was entering this week. And so far, there were three home dogs yesterday. The home dogs covered two out of three. One outright two out of three. The New York Giants and the New England Patriots. Only the Carolina mm-hmm. Panthers did not as home dogs. But, Kev, that was a divisional home dog that didn't come in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, also, right. Kirk Cousins, game number 10 on Monday Night Football. Yeah. Do we not care about this? He's 0-9 in the first nine. Is that Do the same with no fans there? Is that the same with no fans there? I don't know. I kind of put part of the primetime narrative as like the marquee and spotlight. And... For a but for plenty of them, though. All right. So like, All like right. he's been home for plenty of them. Also, so you're stacking up these home dog and Kirk Cousins poo in primetime uh, as trends you're going to – uh, respect in 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 part of uh, this analysis, right? I I mean, yeah. For for me though, we're we are watching a number. If the Vikings end up winning, they end up winning. The Bears then become the most fraudulent five and one football team in NFL history. They on and I'll tell you this right now: your win total does all of a sudden become live because they will have felt like and I need them to be 500 then yeah because they're they're, they will feel like the world is dropped arrow pointing down for sure if this game goes the way that I think it's going to go which is the Bears win this game I am actually interested in an alt line of Bears minus six and a half at plus 290 okay this will be far from the first time the book the Sharps, the Smarts, backed Kirk Cousins just to watch him let them just to watch him let them all down. This okay. line, if the Bears win, okay, there is I'm not doing this like ah oh, they beat Minnesota thing. The Bears then better get their respect here because I'm I'm not doing this like oh it's the Vikings they're only a four I'm not doing it I have no tolerance for it. This is either. The smartest thing they've done by selling the Bears or the stoop I don't the stupidest line that has been published 
all season long. All season long. If this line misses by 10 points, there's no excuse upsets happen. This line tells you that home field advantage doesn't matter, period. This is a pick We're having a very different conversation. A very different conversation. Dane, to be honest, right? We were just talking about before we started. Yeah. You like the Vikings. You wouldn't bet I this do. three and a half. You would not bet no, this I would three not. and a half. There's no way. No, I would it's not. a ridiculous I would number. Not. I would not. The division home dogs would be too much. I think Minnesota does win this game, but you know, in this division, I, I wild, wild stuff could happen. Okay, but here's what I want to ask you about before we completely move off. Yeah, I feel Week Ten has been bookended by two games where we couldn't figure out what the book was doing, right? Because all week we were talking about this one, right, and how it moved, and you didn't get that one, and and you've made your point. I, I, I trust and respect all the things you say, okay? What you say mm-hmm. is valid. On mm-hmm. Thursday night, didn't we have a similar situation, right? Where it was like, and now the Titans have been moved to, to, to dogs somehow. And Kev, mm-hmm. we didn't understand that move. But the move turned out to be right, right? So, so I'm not saying it's because the book is doing it, it's going to be right. I'm just asking because you like to apply context. You like to get into the yeah. mind of the book. Compare what the book has done on Thursday night football with what mm-hmm. the book has done on Monday night football in two tough divisional matchups that are staying very close numbers, Kev. Do you see any consistencies here? It, it's a great point. I think they're different. The Titans were still why. the more popular bet, yet they still moved the line the other way. It was the sharp side. And I'm spinning my – I mean, Dane, you and I spent like 10 minutes on that game. It, we left it being like, yep, all right, doesn't make any sense. I, and, you know, yes. I mean, I think that between the two of us, we should be able to figure this stuff out, right? I know what's happening. So. This isn't confusing at all. Everyone's betting the Vikings. They all think the Bears are garbage. Like, if, if I said who are the five worst offenses in football, the Bears are on this list for everybody. Like, this isn't, you know, I remember you told me when I was out that Wednesday, Joe P.C.P. is like, oh, I'm going to start firing up some Minnesota, Vikings right, futures. Yeah. I, yeah. this, that's why this is different to and me. And now Dalvin Cook's run for 500 yards in his last two games. 100%. 100, 100, that's what I'm saying. This isn't confusing. I know what's going on. Also, right, this is another spot where, for some reason, no one cares about the Bears' defense. And I can't figure out why. Dalvin Cook's rushing total is 85.5. Derrick Henry went below that number. Yeah. I mean, I remember when you were bold and had Henry under the the number against the Steelers. Running back against a real good actual run defense. I hear you. I hear you. Dalvin Cook up against the Bears is far from... Same kind of situation. It's Kirk Cousins. It's Kirk... Cousins against the top, let's go conservative, eight defense. Might be higher, shouldn't be any lower than that. Nobody cares. And this is the thing. But, Dana, this is all I'm saying. To your your original question, no, it's not the same to me. I know what's going on. I just might be wrong, okay? Right. But I know what's going on. Everybody hates the Bears. No, I hear you, and I'm about to make a point that actually uh, bolsters your claim, Kev. Okay, mm-hmm. there are when you talked, you said the top five defenses or worst four offenses, whatever the case may be. There's been a yeah. number of cases here in Week Ten where these teams that are supposedly good defenses came through. The Rams shut down the Seahawks. 
The Dolphins shut down the Chargers. The Seahawks and the Chargers were, by yards per game, the number one and two offenses in the NFL. And the Dolphins' defense that we didn't really realize got the job done. The Rams' defense that we didn't want to talk about got the job done, right? So here, the Bears are even at home doing it, right? I, I hear that. For me, though... What's the Bears team total, Kev? What's the Bears team total? Because I am not no, throwing no. shade to the to the Bears defense. I do believe 20. the Bears defense is legit, right? I do believe Kirk Cousins can defecate the mattress at a moment's notice. That's not the part I'm concerned about, right? I'll tell you right now, I'll take the under on 43 and a half in this game. And part of the reason I don't like the number and part of the reason I'd more take the money line is because I think this is going to be a low scoring game because I do value that the Bears defense is real. I can see 2017 in this one. Um, Talk to me about why you believe the Bears offense, though, can do enough here. So the Vikings, the this I is the other thing. This is the other thing that, that is also blowing my mind. The Vikings are all of a sudden a good defensive team again. Do you know how many times they've given up 20 or more points? Every single Ooh, game. The Vikings or the Bears? The Vikings. Yeah, the Vikings. Every single okay. game. Every single game. Last week was the only time that they didn't give up more than 20 points. They gave up You just mentioned 20, this is a bottom exactly. five offense. So oh, I don't think which? they're a bottom five offense. I just think everybody else no. thinks they're a bottom five offense. Okay. Okay. That's okay. to me the kind of the separation point. And just I see. the other point here in terms of the oh, we just had a little trade in the NBA. We'll talk about it. I think it's a small move though. Um, but also for this Bears defense, right? Where the team total for the Vikings is twenty three and a half. The Rams only got to twenty four. The Saints got to twenty six. That was in overtime. The Titans only got to 24 are the vikings a better offense than those teams i mean the, the panthers were held to 16 the bucks were held to 19 the colts 19 atlanta got to 26 detroit finished on 23 and the giants finished on 13 i mean 23 and a half for this team all year long it's been a field goal better than that at most like this is another thing if i had to tell you if i had to bet one of those team totals over or under I'm betting the Bears over 20 before I would bet over 23 and a half against the Bears defense at home. Definitely. All right. Uh, If I ask, you know, I think, though, Kev, tomorrow morning when we're talking about who is the best player on the field in Monday Night Football, I think we're going to be saying the answer is Dalvin Cook. And I think Dalvin Cook will do enough here and will help that Minnesota Vikings offense enough to get the job done. But we will see. The Bears will either be a six-win team, and you're right, the kind of narrative around them will develop, or they will fall to 500 with six games left to play and the arrow pointing down. That is why it is so important to see what takes place tonight. You mentioned an NBA trade going down. We've been talking about the NBA, Kev. The draft is this week. We got a lot of buzz around James Harden, but there was another trade that did happen, right? Oklahoma City moving Schroeder to the Lakers for Denny Green and a draft pick. Talk to me about this. What does this mean for, like, playoff Rondo? Is he going elsewhere? And do you believe Schroeder partnered with uh, LeBron? Because I don't know about AD anymore. He's opting out. What does this mean for the Lakers? AD's not going anywhere. He had to opt out. All right, fair enough. Um, 
But as far as this Schroeder thing, it's a great move for the Lakers. We saw how valuable Rondo was. Schroeder's an upgrade, and Rondo is probably going to get overpaid now. The two teams rumored the Clippers, which is hilarious for a number of reasons, and then the Hawks think he's pretty interesting as a potential piece to help boost what the song, uh, boost Trey Young. Yeah. It's interesting to me also, like, I thought Oklahoma City was building for the future, and Schroeder would be part of that. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here on to the early line. We look back at week 10. We talked about Monday Night Football. We congratulate Dustin Johnson for winning the Masters. And also, Kev, listen, this is going to be a big week in the NBA with the draft, with, I think, like free agency starting right after that, the legal tampering period. We've heard all sorts of buzz. You just said that there was a minor deal made, and it involves the Brooklyn Nets. But to be quite honest, the big news is around the Brooklyn Nets. Also, as it seems like they are fishing for a big one, in the trade market, Kev. So the small trade that was just made, uh, the Detroit Pistons are trading Bruce Brown, a young guard, to the Brooklyn Nets for Dazan Musa and a 2021 second round pick. A nondescript move, although one Maybe moving some money around. Clearing space. Yeah, you always think about that. Um, Setting the stage. Sports Grid's own Brett Levy, though, uh, sent out a very interesting tweet. That Dazan Musa, who is being sent out, where's number 13? Now, <laughs> interesting. Trading Musa to avoid a <laughs> conflict <laughs> about him giving Harden his number is ridiculous. Number. <laughs> right. But also, this move does come so far out of left field. It is hard not to do what you did even before we talked about the number of, huh, does this leave us? angling to go somewhere else i'm not sure as far as this harden durant thing there's rumors that people think this deal's already done i'll simply say this in terms of the rumored trade package that the nets would send the houston rockets i can't imagine a world where daryl morey doesn't top it and get harden to philly i don't know if harden Hmm. is against that move that is ultimately where i land on this conversation right now if he is out, I can't imagine Daryl doesn't step in and send one of Ben or Joel to Houston. All right, fair enough. And listen, this is going to be a big week in the NBA, Kev, right? I mean, we got to break down all the NFL. But with the draft happening on Wednesday, more of these kinds of moves happening. Remember, this is almost like right before July 1st in a normal year. So the NBA will certainly be there. You have homework, though, Kev, okay? We only briefly mentioned Detroit, Washington. Do me a favor. Go back and listen to some of the call with glorious Akib Talib on color commentary. Trust me, it's worth it, brother man, for anybody else who needs to do it as well. When we come back till tomorrow, we'll talk college football, the NBA, the morning after. What's up next on The Grid? SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.